0: You're listening to a Sunday morning message from Hope Church Frankfurt. If you want more information about our church, text Hope 23 to 55498. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to John chapter 4. Uh, John chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. So you can go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles. We're going to start right at verse 1. We're we're going to be continuing this sermon series called Come and See. And I want to bring you back to the goal of this sermon series is that you would come to understand and see who Jesus is and that he is the one true God. That you would come and realize who he is. And we're talked a lot through Jesus and following this journey through God, through him, through the beginning of his his ministry at John and, and how John kind of depicts it in his gospel. But Jesus is on this journey and he's a miracle worker. He's a kingdom builder. And Jesus is the one true God. And that's the goal of this series, that you would come and see that Jesus is good. And all throughout the time in the ancient Near East, as, as Jesus is kind of gaining this popu- popularity, you can see that he's breaking down barriers everywhere he goes. Everything that Jesus does, he's breaking down barriers of what should be and what could be and what might be. He was eating with people he shouldn't have eaten with. He was talking to people that were below him. He was touching sick people that he should have walked on the other side of the road away from. Jesus is ministering to people that no one else ever would minister or even care to minister to. And this is causing a lot of issues for him in his community because he's doing what never has been Done. But it was intentional. The reason he's breaking down this barrier is, is he wants to prove that anyone can gain access to God. That it doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter the issues that you have. That when you're in a conversation with Jesus, you can find freedom and realization that he is the true son of God. Now Jesus is doing these things that have never been done before. He's creating paths of people who would never otherwise be able to have access to him. And this speaks to the heart of who Jesus is and what he wants for his people. He is constantly wanting his people to come back to himself. And I think this story really proves it. Let's read it together. It says this, Now when Jesus had learned that the Pharisees has heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Samaria called Sychar, near a field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, then you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give will well up in him a spring of a well to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that Jerusalem is a place where worship ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither the mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You will worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I in whom you are speaking with, I am he. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, God. We ask that you would speak through this message, that you would speak through this passage of scripture, you would speak through your word today. We ask that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. So when you read this story, there's a couple interesting things, and I want to point out a few things that happen in the text that I think are very, very interesting. The first thing is this, is that Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. Jesus was leaving the place he was because he was gaining too much popularity, and he was gaining it too quickly. Imagine that. Jesus is getting too famous too quickly. That is certainly not a problem in our modern age, right? How many of the celebrities are just standing there like, I'm getting too famous too quickly. I'm getting too rich Too quickly, right? None of us would ever think that in this day and age, but Jesus had a different mission. His mission was to speak and to proclaim the gospel, and he knew he had to hit certain earmarks. He had to hit certain timetables in order to reach and minister to certain people. So if he gains too much popularity too quickly, then his name is famous. And as soon as he is famous, he will be persecuted and he will ultimately be crucified, So he's trying to almost keep a little bit of a low profile while still doing what he's doing. And it seems like a problem that can only be for Jesus is that he was too famous too quickly. So what happens is he leaves Judea behind and he's heading back to Galilee where he was before. And then the Bible throws out this very short specific verse. John chapter 4, we read it, but throw it up again. John 4, 4 says, now he had to go through Samaria. He had to to go through Samaria. This verse doesn't really have any significance to us, right? Because let's be real. Like, when we're driving around, if you know where you're going, you put it into Apple Maps or Google Maps or you put it into Waze and you don't really care about where you have to go through. You just know the final destination, right? Long are the days that we have to pull out the maps. Come on, somebody. Does anybody still have a map in their car? We got a few people, come on. You know what I mean, right? Like, we have a map. We're not, longer the days that we're looking through, oh, I got to go through this town and this town and this way. We're kind of just throwing it into our, our phone and we're going. And that's not the case for Jesus because he's on foot. He's not driving a car. He's on foot. But it's even deeper than that. This was so noteworthy at the time because the Jews specifically went around Samaria. In order, they took a long way around. Check out this from a historian. He said this. Most of the Jews in Jesus' time despised the Samaritans. They disliked them more than even the Gentiles because they were, religiously speaking, half-breeds who had an eclectic faith. The Samaritans built their own temple to Yahweh on Mount Gerizim and the Jews burned it in 128 B.C. And This obviously made the relations between them even worse. Another scholar said that the Jews traveled from Jerusalem to Galilee. They went around Samaria, making it s- such a longer trip that it was even more dangerous for them. Because remember Oregon Trail, right? Who, know, who knows what I'm talking about? Oregon Trail, that's what's like when Jesus is traveling. You don't want to take the long way around, you want to go straight to it. Otherwise, you're not making it through the trail. But they are taking the long way around because they hate the Samaritans so much. And so you can understand the significance in this story when Jesus is here and his mission on earth is to speak to people. His his mission on earth is to reach people. He's coming back and he's coming down to break down religious walls, to break down social walls, and to break down ethnic barriers. So let's keep reading. John chapter 4, let's read verses 6 through 9 again. So it says, Jacob's well is there. So Jesus is in Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. He specifically had to for his ministry, for his purpose. And so he's there. He's sitting at Jacob's well. And Jesus was tired from his journey. He sat down by the well, and it was about noon when the Samaritan woman came to draw water. There's so many things that are happening here. And Jesus said, will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into town. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? This is important to understand because Jesus is functioning, if he is functioning like he should, being fully God because he is God with skin on, he doesn't get tired. He's not going to be tired if he's walking around. If he's fully God, And not even stepping into humanity at all. He's never going to get tired. But this shows that Jesus embraced his humanity. He embraced his humanity so that he could relate to us. So like you know when you get home from a long day at work and you sit on the couch and you're like, my dogs are barking? Come on somebody. You know what I mean, right? Jesus knows what that's like. Because he lived life. He walked. And that's essentially what's happening here. A long day of walking, he just wants to sit down and relax. It's the hottest part of the day. It's noon. Then a Samaritan woman comes up to draw water. Now Jesus turns to her and says, will you give me something to drink? This is breaking a massive barrier. Massive. Because Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And, and even more so, a rabbi would never speak to a woman in public. It was even said that rabbis would not even speak to their own wives or children in public if they were female. So this is breaking a huge barrier. This is so countercultural. Check this out. I, found, I thought this was a really interesting tidbit. There were actually Pharisees that were nicknamed the bruised and bleeding Pharisees. Right? And you think, like, why, why were they nicknamed that? Because if they saw a woman on the street, they would close their eyes and walk into walls and fall down steps. Because they didn't want to sin. They were so, so they were literally called the bruised and bleeding Pharisees because they were so often closing their eyes, walking down the middle of the street, falling over, because they didn't want to have any relation or any association with a woman. And look what Jesus just did. He is breaking so many barriers. Instead, he asks her for a drink. Now, obviously, this throws her for a loop because she's like, uh, definitely didn't expect that. Maybe expected to be spat at, maybe expected for you to walk away, maybe expected to have a snide comment. Definitely did not expect that. So she's like, well, what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense. And Jesus answers her in in, in the most Jesus way, and it's awesome. John chapter 4, verse 10, he says, If you knew the gift of God that I am and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked me for a drink. I love the conversations that Jesus has. He goes, can I have a drink? She goes, what do you mean, can I have a drink? He goes, you know what? Forget the drink. If you knew who I was you'd ask me for a drink. If you knew how good I was, you'd ask me for a drink. Then she says this, Sir, you have nothing to to draw with, and this well is deep. Where can I get this living water that you're talking about? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself? Jesus says, everyone who drinks of this water, you'll be thirsty again. But if you drink of the water that he's speaking about, it's different. Jesus, once again, is revealing himself to this woman. He says, if you only knew who I was, then I would give you living water. Now, obviously, she points out the question that all of us should be thinking is, how come you didn't bring something to get water with? I mean, I don't know. We all just have a faucet, so you just kind of turn it. But I'm imagining most people brought a rope and a bucket to the well, right? Especially if it's deep. And she's sitting there saying, okay, what do you mean living water? Where are you going to get this living water? Now, side note for us culturally, living water most likely in her mind, she thought of it was a stream because people think of a river or a stream as living because it's moving and it's, it's directional. So she's thinking, okay, hey, If you mean I don't have to get water from this well, but I can get it from a living stream that's nearby, then I don't have to come to this well anymore. I can just go there. So just tell me where that is. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you missed it. You missed it. I don't want to have to come to this well anymore. And then she asks this very interesting question. She said, are you greater than Jacob who gave us this well and drank, drank from it himself? Now the answer is yes, if you've read the book of Hebrews, that Jesus is greater than Jacob. In fact, Jesus is the one who wrestled with Jacob back in the Old Testament thousands of years ago. So Jesus is greater, but she's kind of taking a subtle little shot at him. Are you greater than Jacob? Jesus doesn't even really answer that, and he moves on. He's saying, listen, I'm not speaking about water. I'm speaking about eternal life. And she says, listen... I don't want to have to come back to this well anymore. Just tell me where it is. I'm not worried about that. Now, it's interesting that she's drawing water at the hottest part of the day. Why was she there at this time? Why was she alone? Normally, culturally, what would happen is a bunch of the women would go together and they would help each other pull the water up. Obviously, it's a difficult task. makes more sense. Why was she completely alone? We're about to find out. John 4, 16, he told her, go call your husband, come back. She said, I have no husband. She replied, Jesus said to her, you're right in saying you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. So what you said is actually the truth. She says, I can see you're a prophet, right? Like, isn't that such a funny statement? She's like, so yeah, ding, ding, ding. I can see you're a prophet. You kind of, I can see where you get this from. Now, why wasn't this woman going to get water in the cool of the morning or in the evening when it was much cooler? Because she was a social outcast. Because she was someone who was made fun of. Because she was probably, when you look throughout scripture, one of the worst relational people that Jesus ever encountered. That she was just rough relationally. And Jesus is so matter of fact. He says, hey... This is what's been going on in your life. She says, sir, uh, you're a prophet. I can see that. You're a prophet. Jesus is like, thanks for pointing that out. Cool. But then she does something, and I think this is something that maybe all of us would do if we were in the same situation. She immediately diverts the conversation. Check it out in verse 20 and 21. She says this, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. I can just imagine her just kind of being still in shock that Jesus just read her mail like that. It's like, I don't know if hacking existed in the ancient Near East, but he's definitely a hacker. You know what I mean, right? So our our worship, you know, our answers were worshiped here. You Jews, you complain, you say that the worship is supposed to be in Jerusalem. And Jesus says, woman, believe me. A time is coming when you'll worship the Father, neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Now bear with me when I give you a little context here for just a few moments. She's pointing out a very big argument that happens between the Samaritans and the Jews. The Samaritans believe that Moses commissioned an altar on Mount Gerizim, which is known as the mountain of blessing, if you know the Old Testament. And this was their justification for creating Mount Gerizim, because it was a mountain of blessing, and that's why they wanted to worship there. Obviously, I read to you earlier that the Jews burned that altar and that temple down, but they had this dispute between them. And another argument that they had was the Samaritans, they only accepted the Torah. They didn't accept any of the major prophets, any of the minor prophets, any of the poetry. They only accepted the first five books of the Bible. They rejected everything else. For us in the room, we kind of understand maybe what she's doing at this point. She's diverting the attention away from her sin. She's diverting the attention away from her personal situation. This is what we often do, right? How often are we like this woman? Imagine you're in this shoes and Jesus comes up and sits right next to you and he goes, so? And he just says everything that you've done wrong the past week. You're going to be like, yeah, I mean, so whatever, you know? Like, I mean, you're thinking of something. I'm, I promise you you're thinking of something because I know when my son, whenever I catch him doing something, he's like, yeah, but you told me I could. I'm like, no, I did not, Right? Who's with me? We know we divert attention. Is it just me? It's just me? Okay, cool. A few of us. I can't see. I feel like I'm a chicken in Boston Market right now under these lights, but it's all good. And here's the reality is that she diverts the attention. Jesus brings up these these faults and immediately I want to point to something else. What about this? What about this? What about this? This is human existence. This is our personal reality. We would much rather bask in the failures of somebody else than deal with our own personal struggles. We would much rather argue about things that are adjacent to the point than keeping the main thing the main thing. And look at what Jesus says. He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews and he's talking about himself. Yet a time is coming, and it has now come. This is important. A time is coming, and it has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. These are the kinds of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. He says this, the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. What does that truly mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? And I found this from a a scholar, so I'm going to read it to you. He said, to worship in spirit means you're concerned with spiritual realities, not so much places or outward sacrifices, cleansings, or anything else. To worship in truth means you worship according to the whole counsel of God's word. The whole counsel of God's word especially in light of the New Testament revelation. It also means that you come to God in truth, not in the pretense of mere displayed spirituality. It's really interesting when you break that down, right? He he means, listen, we're concerned with spiritual warfare. I'm not concerned about a building. But if you've read C.S. Lewis' book, uh, the one when he... Uh, has the demon that's talking to the other demon, talking about just, you know, he wrote it to kind of distract Christians. What are the one things that they point out in the screw tape letters, one of the one things they point out, he says, you know, check out if your neighbor's hair is messed up or if they're singing off tune, right? We're not concerned with outward things. What does this look like? What does this look like? I'm concerned with the spiritual reality and the temperature. To worship in truth means you worship with the Whole scripture, meaning that you just don't take certain portions out, meaning that you just don't read the first five books of the Bible, meaning that you just don't take whatever you like and leave the rest. And then the final thing is to come and present ourselves to God in truth. Or do we come and present ourselves to God as merely spiritual people? Like everything's kumbaya and everything's good. I know I've been guilty of that. Just, you know, I'm, I'm coming to God, but I'm not coming to God in truth. I'm coming to God with my feelings of that I'm feeling like I'm pretty good. It's important that we can focus on this. Just like this woman, we pick and choose what we want to focus on. Worship is a way of life. It's not just the few songs that we sing on Sunday morning. Jesus is speaking about a way of life. And we're not concerned with what's happening in the shadows or in the buildings. Jesus is talking about spiritual battles and things that are happening in this world. He's not concerned about mountains. She's saying, which mountain should we worship on? Mount Gerizim or Mount Sinai? Where where, where should we worship? What should we do? What about this? What about that? We're not concerned about those things. We're concerned about spiritual realities. We accept the whole counsel of God's word. We accept the Old Testament in its context and understanding. We accept the New Testament in its contexts. There are churches right now that are saying, listen, the New Testament, we don't even need it anymore. Stop reading it. Stop looking at it. We don't need it. We're just going to focus on the New Testament. There's a lot of people that are saying that the Old Testament, especially in churches, is a very popular thing for them to say that the Old Testament is no longer relevant to modern day Christian life. That is not true. It's just not true. We have to take the whole counsel of scripture, the entirety of its truth, which is a beautiful story of God's desire for relationship with his community, of God's desire for relationship with his with his creation that fails him again and again and again and again. And he just keeps coming back and back and back. And Jesus comes and dies for us. To pay the ultimate price. And God is still in pursuit of relationship with you. A lot of times we can do that just like this woman. We can take the things that we want. And we don't worry about anything else. So if Jesus was sitting with you. Imagine right now. Jesus is sitting with you at the well. And he just says, hey. He asks you a question. Same situation of this woman. What subject would he bring up? What topic would he go to? Because if you're thinking about something, maybe it's a person, maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's a addiction, maybe it's a struggle. Whatever you're thinking about in this moment, I want you to take a look at that this week. What would Jesus bring up if he was talking with me? Because I think a lot of times, we can just ignore what we don't really understand. Or we can be, live in this place of, well, I'm not really sure, so I'm not going to choose either. I don't know whether we worship here, I don't know whether we worship here, so let's just argue about it. I don't know what's right. That's why it's so important for us to understand Scripture. I was reading some statistics about what's going on in the church, and there's some really encouraging things that are happening. If you read your Bible on a weekly or daily basis, joy goes up. I mean, happiness goes up, marriages go up. These are statistical facts by people who have made studies. Depression goes down. All of these things, anxiety diminishes percentages I can share with you them later the studies but there's, it's so important to understand scripture to understand what God is trying to say that's why I constantly want to point you back to reading the Bible there's so many great resources out there the Bible project is a great resource they have so many different videos they break down scripture they have so many different things but you just can't get over just sitting down and reading your Bible daily it's such an important thing to do Another thing that we, we want to do, and I'm not going to choose all of them, but uh, one thing that we want to do specifically in the church, another statistic I saw this week, is that five, only 5 to 10% of the church actually tithes. About 90% of the churches, and these are people who say they go weekly, tithe anymore. Because we think, you know what, it's an Old Testament principle. I don't really see it. I don't really want to talk about it. I don't really want to believe it. And so I'm just not going to do it. And Jesus gets pretty intentional about how we have and handle our money and the heart strings that it can pull on us and that it can really pull us away. And this is a topic that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Because it's your money and you worked for it. But wait, if we're talking about the whole counsel of Scripture, if we're talking about worshiping the Father in spirit and in truth, then I guess truly who I'm working for is Him. I guess whose money it truly is is His. And so I'm just a servant. And so I give it back to Him. and That's what the tithe is, to give back to Jesus, to give back that 10%. This is not to shame you at all. We have an extremely generous church and we're doing super well. It's not like we can't pay the light bill next week, so I'm hammering on you. It's because I truly believe that there's only a blessing that can be unlocked when you trust God completely. When you obey him completely. When you live a life not just with the precepts of spirituality. I said this before. I said this to somebody one time about giving. And they're like, it's always the rich people who give the most. I said, unfortunately, that's just not true. I said, it's the faithful people who give the most. They said, that, that can't be there. Millionaires. I said, I'm not sure you know what you're talking about. I've worked in church for a long time. And I said, it's the people who are most dedicated to the word of God. I said, it doesn't matter if you make a lot. It doesn't matter if you make a little. It really doesn't. It matters how dedicated you are to God's word. That's the only thing that matters. Are we, med- are we dedicated to who he is and his word in spirit and truth? And do we present ourselves to him in truth? Here's what she says. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming and when he comes he will explain everything to us. So all these arguments that we have about scripture, do we need the Old Testament, do we need this, do we need that, do we need this, do we do this, what does that work? All of this will be figured out and he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus says, that's me. The one you're waiting for, that's me. Jesus revealed himself to probably the most unexpected person in the Bible. A Samaritan woman who had clearly a lot of relational issues. Someone that he should have never been talking to culturally, contextually, religiously, ethnically. Every barrier he broke to speak to this woman. To bring freedom to this woman. He said it plain and straightforward. The one you've been waiting for is here. I think it's so beautiful that Jesus had to go through Samaria... He had to sit at this well during this time. He had to speak to this woman in this way. He wanted to reach her. His goal was to break those barriers so that she could be free. Now look what this woman does in John four twenty eight. Then leaving her water jar, remember the reason she went there? To get water. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah They came out of the town and made their way toward him? Now let's skip down to verse 39. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed with them two days And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, for we have heard it for ourselves. And we know that this man is truly the savior of the world. She goes out of her way and she leaves her job. She leaves the reason that she went there so that she could tell everybody have you ever been in a situation where you've just been full of shame? I'm sure all of us in the room have had a situation. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want anybody looking at you. You don't want to have anybody notice you. You kind of want to just exist. Her shame was broken because she met Jesus. And now she's full What did she do with that freedom? She ran to the town of probably the people who spit at her. Probably the people who told her she was worthless. Probably the people who told her, don't get water when I get water. I don't want to see you there. And she said, hey, 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 I got good news for you. There's a guy who told me everything I ever did. I know you know everything I ever did, but he didn't, and he told me. And I think he's God. There's something different about this guy. And they said, okay, we're going to come and check him out and Jesus performed signs and miracles and the town of Samaria, the city of Samaria was forever impacted by someone that they never expected someone that they clearly rejected because she saw Jesus for who he truly was she saw Jesus for who he was and she couldn't keep it to herself let me ask you a question approached a well and Jesus was sitting there, would you give him the time of day? Would you engage in the conversation with him? And I'm not saying like it says Savior on his chain or something. I'm not saying you know who he is. But if you had that conversation with Jesus, do you think you could walk away from it different? With Jesus, what would he bring up for you? Notice he didn't condemn her, he didn't say, You're a terrible person. He didn't, he stated, This is what you've been through. But guess what? What you've been through and what you've done, it pales in comparison to who I am. He said, Listen, you may be through this, you may have these hurts, you may have these pains. Jesus said, I am the I am. The one you've been waiting for is here. Will you be able to walk in freedom? And I feel like maybe as a church right now, we're on this barrier where it feels like we're, we're teetering with breakthrough in several areas feels like we're teetering with breakthrough. And I think the question that keeps coming to my mind is, do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Because if we do, it changes our life. If we do, it changes our perspective. If we do, we can run to the town of Frankfurt and tell everybody we've ever met, I know a guy and I think he's the savior of the world the question do we believe that Jesus is who he says he is because his forgiveness is real I I felt a heaviness as I was preaching this message that there's people in here dealing with heavy shame and heavy pain and heavy depression and I just feel the Holy Spirit is saying listen just like Jesus broke the chains of this woman he wants to break your chains this morning. He wants to break your. He wants to bring freedom to your life. Jesus is the true Messiah. He's the true King. I want to ask with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this room. If you're here today and you say, "You know what? I've been struggling. I've been dealing with that." Depression. I've been dealing with that anxiety. I've been dealing with that pain. And I just want that freedom. I want to meet Jesus this morning. I need to have a connection with Jesus. I don't want to carry this around anymore. Like this woman, I want to be free. I want to be able to have the boldness to tell people who you to you when you're here in this room. I just want to pray for you this morning. I just want to pray for you. If you're dealing with any heaviness at all, dealing with any big decisions, any anxiety or depression or things that you feel like, you know what, I just can't do this anymore on my own. Maybe you've been hiding from everyone around you. You're, you're getting water in the middle of the day. You've been hiding. And you just want some Freedom that's you and you're here in this room, I just want to pray for you. So on the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand up with no one looking around, just so I know who I'm praying for. And I want to pray for you when you can be closed. two. invite you into this room God I pray for anyone who's dealing with the spirit of heaviness with the spirit of brokenness with pain and heavy burden that you would come and bring healing that you would bring peace that you would bring freedom God God that they would know that they are not alone that when they have a conversation with you and they have a connection with you that there can be freedom found God, I pray that joy would be in their life. I pray that peace would define their week this week, God. Father, we ask that you would make things right with the things they're dealing with, that you would bring healing to relationships, that you would bring healing to situations, that finances would be restored, that health statuses would be recovered. Whatever's going on, God, we give it to you because we know just like you met this woman, just like you broke down every barrier, just just like you stepped into a place that no one else would go, you're here with us now. And we ask you to minister. We ask you to speak. We ask you to impact. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming here today. I got one more announcement, Laura, if you could keep playing. Um, in a couple weeks here on October 28th, this is something that we've been doing as a church for the past few years. We uh, we are going to do something with the police department of Frankfurt called the Trunk Retreat. And uh, it's uh, something that they do, and they create a safe environment for kids to walk through the line one of the things we're going to do is we're going to have a float this year and we have everything set up. We're going to create it the same as what we did for our VBS, Make Waves. And so I want to ask you for two things. Number one, if you want to donate candy for us to give away or help us bag it, we bag the candy and it has a Hope Church sticker on it so that they know that they can come to Hope Church and find Jesus. Uh, So if you want to do that, we want to invite you to do that. The second thing is that event happens from 8 to noon on that Saturday. And I want to ask people to commit to praying uh, during that time, to pray for the people who are walking through that line, to pray for the people who are walking through and meeting our church on that day, and that maybe they're encountering dark and evil and hard things. We want them to encounter Jesus. So I want to invite invite you to join us for those two things. If you want to donate candy or help do all of that we'd love for you to join us but also if you want to join us in praying that Jesus would bring people that's what our whole goal is we're not going to hide from the community we want to be a part of the community we want to be a staple when everything breaks down I want people to know that they can come here because we are a healthy and safe community that loves Jesus and loves one another and we're not backing down and we believe that we want to do everything we can until hell is empty and heaven is full amen hell is empty Heaven is full. That's our goal. We love you today. We'll see you next week as we continue. Come and see. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And if you did, make sure to share it and subscribe to stay up to date with all of our new messages. Thanks for listening. God bless.